Hey, man. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we all doing this morning? Awesome. Good. You look good. Thank you. And you say, so do you. All right. That'd be great. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. That's not my aunt, but say thank you, somebody. <laughs> you know, I usually dress for the type of Sunday it's going to be. So today is Military Sunday. So let's, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> all right. Well, if you got your Bibles with you, Let's get right into it this morning. I'm, man, I'm excited for what God's doing. I mean, the God is always on the move. He is always working. Even when you don't see it, He's what? Working. Even when you don't feel it, He's what? Working. He's working. He's always working, especially when we give Him that place and that opportunity. And uh, we're going to just continue on with what the Lord has been talking to us about for the last two weeks now. And we, this is the thing the Lord said to me. This is about coming up on three weeks now. He said, remind the troops to stay in victory. Where we fight, how we fight, who we fight. All of these things we need to know. And we cover that over the period of these couple weeks. And I believe there's a lot in that. And uh, for myself, you know, one of the things is I feel like sometimes I just give, blah, I give so much. And then it's like, well, what was said? How do I bring some of that back? So this morning, I really just want to take some time. Just another thing that the Lord's been stirring up in my heart a little bit. And we're going to get into this in these upcoming weeks, I believe. And uh, I was just reminded real strongly over this week, especially Friday, Saturday, as I was just spending so much time in prayer and just in the Word. And the Lord just wanted to remind specifically me, but what we want to do as this church, remind us of the position that you and I have. There is a place, there is a position that you hold. The church has a lot more authority than you may realize. A lot more. And this... So our position, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, I want to just give this quick little nugget for you and I because, again, this is where we operate from. We're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from the position of victory. It's a total different frame and mindset. It's a total different way of thinking. It's a total different way of operating. When I learn to understand that I fight from a position that I've already got it, I've already won because of who I am in Jesus. It's not me because of Joel housing and how great I am. It's because of who Jesus is. Kind of what Julian was saying. In and of myself, I am nothing. I got nothing. But I got him. So in Christ, what do I have? I got everything that I'll ever need. The Bible even tells us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, I have. Say it, I already got it. I'll say it like you mean it. I already got it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in my next season. Who knows what's going to take. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I already got the wisdom. No, I, I, don't, I don't got it. Yes, you do. So it's a, re, it's a reprogramming of the way we think to line up with what the Bible has already said. Ephesians 2, 6, again, this is an actual position. This isn't just a nice thing that you and I can talk about just to make you feel good once in a while when all of the world goes, goes crazy. We can just quote this. This is an actual position that you and I hold because we're in Christ. This is the most wonderful thing. The the gospel is jumping up and down good news. The gospel, I guess, isn't something that God will one day do for you. The gospel isn't just that God wants to help you out once in a while. The gospel is God has already done something to benefit and to bless you. That's why it's too good to be true. So he already gave you victory. The Bible calls you more than a conqueror. What does that even mean, more than a conqueror? That means you already go into a battle with the enemy already defeated. There's nothing better than, you know, if you're just, I mean, I I boxed, this was a couple years ago now. I was in a boxing thing, and you go into the ring, and just picturing this for a second, all of a sudden, I'm boxing this guy. I'm going to just use Kent. Me and Kent, we're going into the ring, and anybody want to fight Kent? 
that's not a fight that I want to take, but I'm going to go in it for you. And all of a sudden, imagine I just, I beat the guy up, I pull him, he's down out for the count, and now all of a sudden you would just tag it and say, okay, I'll go from here, I'll take him now while he's down. That's more than a conqueror. I conquered him, but more than a conqueror would simply be, all right, I take it from here. Jesus stripped the enemy completely of all power, of everything he had on this earth, completely, the Bible says, destroyed every work of the enemy. So what's our job? Trying to fight him because he's just doing so much? No, no, no. We just occupy and take over the victory that he already accomplished. It's a total different way of thinking than rather than going into his, I got to beat up the devil. I got to just take him out. He's already defeated. You can't do anything in and of yourself. Now this position, Ephesians 2, 6, is this. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms. Why? Because I am united with Christ Jesus. This is the position. This is the seat. And I believe this as the, the upcoming weeks, I believe probably the 24th, potentially start it. But just really understanding what this position is all about. What this seat is all about. Especially in this time, in this day and age. Christians, we have to know how to operate from this seat. We don't operate from the natural world trying to change things here. We operate from this seat and we command and demand the changes that need to take place in this world that we're part of. All right. All right. Now, this seat right here, anybody, you know, got an iPhone or something like that? Have you ever had to use that with somebody where you're like, hey, where, where are you at? Where are you? And then you can go click on them and their little info and you can say share location. Anybody ever done that before? Well, Jesus shared location with you inevitably. Means you are there all the time. He shared it with you. It's yours. It belongs to you. He gave it to you. So you can just imagine if Jesus had an iPhone. Click, 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 click. He shared that location. You are in it. You're there permanently with him because you're in Christ Jesus. Now stay there. Right? Okay. Somebody goes, where, where is he at? I, turn, just turn on, enable the location services again, and you'll find out where is he. He is in the most powerful seat in the universe. What is this seat? This is the seat that God, this is, when you read Ephesians chapter 1, you find out that God used all of the power, every might, everything he had that we see in scriptures to destroy the works of darkness and to not only raise Jesus from the dead, but to raise you and I and to put us in that seat. Everything is about that position. It's all about that seat. This is what the enemy wants to get you out of, is that seat. Because once you occupy seat, that seat, he knows he has to obey. He knows he has to come down. Why? Because in the spiritual world, authority is a real thing. You can't just do whatever you want. That. There is authority in that, and you can't break that. Not even Satan himself can break it. So it's all about this seat. And you know, I remember Smith Wigglesworth, he always said this phrase. Well, I don't remember him. I never met him. But Smith Wigglesworth, in a lot of his writings, he would always say this. There is a place in God that the devil dare not go. And where is that seat? It's at the right hand of the Father. And that's the position you've been given. So you and I, we're told to occupy that place. We're told to pray from that place, to praise from that place, to command from that place. So every morning, you can get up and you can clock in to your heavenly seat. That belongs to you. It's all about that position. And when you operate, you speak, you command, you change our nation from that position. 
Come on, y'all, this is where it takes place. All the changes that we're going to see, it starts from this position of authority. And we're going to get into that later on this month. I know, because I know for myself, I mean, you may have heard this a lot, but in me, God is just arresting me and get, let's get knowledgeable of this seat. Not just, oh yeah, that's a nice seat, but see it. See myself operating from that position. Now, why is it all about this location? Because again, the devil... He is mad and he's scared. He knows his time is short. So what is he doing? He is applying tremendous pressure on this earth. He can't get to God, right? He's got no access to God. So what does he do? He goes after what God loves. And what does God love? He loves people. He cares about people so much that he gave his only son for people. Right? It says, for God so loved the world. Not for God so loved the earth. For God so loved the world. And what's the world? It's talk about ages, but it's the people in the ages. Okay. There's a lot in that, but let's just continue on. Now, why does the enemy put this pressure on? Again, to get you to give up and to allow that pressure to break you. People don't handle pressure very good. Right? We weren't created for pressure. Did you understand? Do you know that? It's, we, we don't handle it well. A lot of people just snap and... Freak out, snap out, do stupid things, say stupid things, and all of a sudden there's now problems in relationships, problems in family. This is what the enemy's trying to do, right? Now, again, what else again? This pressure is again to get you and I to leave or to vacate our place of authority, our place of victory that Jesus purchased for us. If you can just keep this in mind too, he's after, he wants you out of that position. Because once you get out of that position, you start fighting a natural battle that you can't win. If you want to fight the enemy, where do you got to keep them? You got to keep them in the arena of the word. Keep them in that because it's the word that defeats them. You and I fighting a natural battle will not defeat him. Why? He's crafty. He knows how to operate in this. But if we keep him in the arena of what the word says and we hold fast, the Bible tells us, and having done all to stand, stand, what happens? We keep him in that arena. There's, you are untouchable. All right. Are we okay this morning? Is making sense? Now, I'm just giving you a quick little snippet in this because there's a lot to this. Now, again, what is the whole pressure on this? The pressure is you and I to get so consumed with natural things that we hear a thousand and one opinions about everything that's going on out there rather than focusing on the truth and the reality of the kingdom of God. This is the whole purpose. Is the pressure is there to squeeze you, to mold you. Why? To get your eyes off of the truth and get your eyes off of the mandate of the vision of heaven that you and I are called on this earth to release. That we start trying to fix things from a natural perspective. This is something the Lord's had to radically just do on the inside of me. I'm not trying to change the the junk that's going on out here by doing natural things. How do I do that? I have got to look to now bring in another thought, another kingdom into this realm. That's what Jesus' whole life and ministry was all about. He didn't just try to fix Rome. What did he do? He came in. His message was this. First message he preached, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He says, repent. Or what does that mean? Change the way you think because the Spirit of God or the kingdom of God is at hand. So what was he interested in doing? He's interested in bringing a whole nother kingdom. Now remember, did Jesus do everything as God? He did everything as a man anointed by the Spirit of God, correct? So everything he did, again, if he did things as God, I'm impressed, but it leaves me in a position going, I can't touch that. I I don't know how to do that. He did it as God. But now if he did it as a man anointed by the Spirit of God, I go, oh, okay, now I need to learn how to do that. 
it gives us access into operating this way. So Jesus' whole message wasn't, I got to change Rome. Caesar's a mess. I got to fix it up over there. No, what's his message? I got to implement and bring in a whole nother way of thinking, a whole nother way of acting, a brand new kingdom, a whole nother king's domain into Red Deer. This is what you and I are called to do. As ambassadors, we bring the nation that we're sent from, which is heaven. We are temporarily sent here for a human existence, and we're here to serve our generation. With what? By bringing the king's domain into this earth. This is what Red Deer needs. Red Deer doesn't need a louder Joel. What does Red Deer need? Red Deer needs Jesus. So what do I do? Okay, Lord, what's, what's the message? What's the mandate? And I remember I said this last week. The more that we are submitted to the great commission that we find in Mark chapter 16, the more submitted, the more that we come under that understanding and say, this is the focus of my life, the more authority that you and I walk in. Because everything that we're seeing out there, our authority, we can't just do whatever we want with it. It has to work in line with what heaven wants to do. Mom, is this all making sense? Okay. Now... Just again, a reminder, this is not a political battle that we are in. It is a battle between light and darkness. And both kingdoms have a vision. Both kingdoms have a will. Both kingdoms have a desire in the nations. Now, in the nation of Canada, what's the enemy's desire? To steal, to kill, to destroy, to divide, to bring chaos. This is what he's doing. This is what he wants to do. Now, again, you could look around and go, well, it sure looks like a lot's going on. Yes, it sure may be. But how many know the kingdom of God is working just as much? And I want you to see this. Look at this. I want you to now look. And rather than kind of looking for some kind of superhero, right? A lot of times, I mean, with all the Marvel movies and all the things we're looking at, we're looking for a superhero or we're looking for somebody or for some political group now to do the change or to make all this disappear so that we can just enjoy our life again. But in fact, the kingdom of God, guess what? Guess who the superhero is on this earth? It's the church. Guess who the superhero is? Starring you, the church. Now I want you to see this, Ephesians chapter 3, because this is the whole mind of God. This is the whole plan of God. Ephesians chapter 3, now I want you to see heaven's agenda or his mindset, again with you and I occupying this seat, this position. That's why God gave it to us. It's the most precious position, right? The enemy wanted it, could never get it, so he got kicked out of heaven for it, where you've been invited to sit there. Look at this. It says, my passion, this is the Passion Bible, the Apostle Paul again speaking this, he said, my passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. What's this divine mystery, Paul? It's this. It was hidden for ages, past until now, and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. Now look at this, verse 10. The purpose. Ready? Everybody say with me. The purpose. What's the purpose of Almighty God and everything that we're here for? Why are we here? Why are you here? It's so that this was to unveil before every throne and every rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm, God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through his church. You and I, what does that all mean? You and I are here to demonstrate the victory of Jesus that he had on Calvary, ascended on high. Now, rather than Jesus now, as he's not here on this earth, his body is here on this earth, he wants you and I now to demonstrate the victory that he had and he did over the enemy. That's my job. That's your job. That's the church's job. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah. This is supposed to be exciting news. This is like, this is it. 
We're not just kind of, oh, dear God, the devil's just doing whatever he wants to do. Stop it. Who stops it? Jesus, if you could just do something. No. You're here on this earth. You're his body. So he's saying, through what? What's the avenue? How is God going to stop all this? Through the church. Come on, say it. I'm the church. Come on, that's who we is. I'm the church. I'm God's body on this earth. And if you read Ephesians chapter 1, you even find out right here that he has raised his body. Not just he raised Jesus, but it says that every name, every principality, every power, every dominion is under his feet. And guess what are you? You are, if you're in the feet, guess what? You're far above the enemy. Far above that punk and everything he wants to do. So he has to listen to the spiritual authority that you carry because you're in the body. Jesus and the body, or the head, Jesus, and the body are not separate. We don't have a decapitated organization here. Where you have Jesus, the head, wanting to do something over here. This is the problem. We have the body. we got to line up with what the head wants to do. And as long as the body keeps trying to pull away from the head, that's where you get the problems. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So everybody say with me, stay connected. It's the whole purpose in this is stay connected i got to stay close. What is he saying? What is he doing? What does he want to do? What's my move in this, Lord? What's my lane? What's my avenue? What have you called me as part of the church in Red Deer, in the nation of Canada, in the province of Alberta? What's my job? Because I'm not called to it all, but I have a specific calling. I have a specific task. And again, what's the whole purpose that we all have? Is to demonstrate the victory that Jesus performed over the enemy. That's what we're here for. No matter what kind of area it is, education, in the political realm, in the whatever, social realm. For me, I'm in the church lane. This is where I'm at. So this is me. But you have your own specific call, but we all have the specific callings, and it's to show the enemy who's boss. And it ain't him. Who is it on this earth? It's the church. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, it's the church that's here. Okay, now verse 11. I got carried away on that, sorry. Verse 11, it says, This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now, right now, we have boldness through him and free access as kings. Come on, say it with me, as kings. I have free access as a king before the Father because of my complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Woo! What does that mean? Take your seat. Take it boldly. He gave it to you. In fact, he needs you to take it. Why is all this happening? Church, we got to take our spot. Okay. Now, that's heaven's agenda, which is, man, it's so good. Now, I want to read to you. This is a prophecy that was in 1980. And it's from the gentleman by the name of Kenneth E. Hagan, who was a prophet, of course. Many of you may know him from me that don't. Uh, a tremendous man of God, a powerful testimony. I had the privilege, my, my parents, they would take us down there just to go see him and be part of those meetings. And I can tell you, those meetings were, woo, good time. I mean, you talk about the Holy Ghost. Those people were falling all over the place. The youth meeting was a riot. I, I, I actually, one of the guys, because we were all standing, there was probably about five, 600 youth that were there. And people are just running, going crazy during the worship service. And I remember my, my first real encounter with God. There was a, the preacher that was up there. He was an evangelist guy. He's like, I, I'm you. And I'm just kind of looking around like this. Is, there's a lot of people. Around. Who? He's like the Ashton Kutcher looking guy. Get up here. I was like, 
Ashton who? Kutcher? Who's that? I had to Google him and found out, yeah, he's pretty attractive, but I don't find any resemblance. Anyways, my first encounter with the Lord was being called Ashton Kutcher, and I don't know if that made my day. I was a little confused, but anyways. But anyway, this prophecy, I want to read to you, this was 1980, so this is now 41 years ago that this prophecy was given. And a lot of times when you hear prophecies back in those days, you kind of go, well, is that really the case? A lot of times the Lord was forewarning us of what is yet to come. And listen to this. This is, this is powerful for us as a church. We've got to hear this. It says, the end of the age is coming upon this generation. The powers of darkness, the forces of evil are rampant as never before, and they will be increased in intensity and velocity. And even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, Oh, there is no use. Throw up their hands in futility and say, Well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly because the devil is about to take over everything. You know, I actually said that myself. When this whole thing just kind of erupted, I'm like, well, I guess we'll just, Lord, come quick. Looking for a rapture escape. But. Everybody say it with me, but. That attitude sucks. And I repented to the Lord. I'm Lord, I'm sorry for that bad, stinking attitude. And actually, the next word on this in the prophecy is but. Say it with me again, but. But, saith the Lord, in this day, I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness, and the light will dispel the darkness, and the truth will set men free, and prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. This is what I'm asking the Lord for us as a church, to teach us this, how to take our place quickly. He says it must be quickly or hurriedly. It must be. Quickly it must be that they learn, that they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that would try and come against the land, against the church, against the home, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good and all that God has endorsed. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen and to, and to the urge of God in the Spirit. To those who are attentive, they will pray. And the Spirit of God will help you to pray. Don't try to do it yourself. Through, I'm sorry, though there must be labor on your part, yet at the same time rest in Him. Let the Spirit flow through you like a river, like a mighty wave, let it flow through you. Give vent to those innermost groanings. Let them escape your lips. Take the time to get alone and wait. Sometimes not even saying anything, but on the inside of you there is an agonizing. There is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the great spirit, the Father of spirits, and you shall be sustained. You shall be kept, and your family and your home will be sure and stand fast, and your children shall grow up strong and faithful in the Lord, and they will have no fear. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm in the Lord enlist. Here I am. 
So as a church family, I've also, we have, I've also given this place up for enlistment. Yeah. This is what we're here for. Yeah. When I read this, to me, it's, you know, sometimes it's great to get vision on two occasions. Number one, you know where you're going. Secondly, it's also to tell you what you're not supposed to do. When I read this, something just quickened on the inside of me. I believe this with all my heart. This is why this church was planted by Pastor John and Ingrid in 1992. I know it. For what? For these end times that we're living in. It was prophesied over them many years ago that this church would be an end time church. What does that mean? Not just strong, you know, end time doctrine or teaching. That's great. That's wonderful. But also learning and understanding how to navigate this season because we occupy our seat. And it's not just one or two of us. It's the whole family where we are in this together going, this is the seat that God gave us. We're going to occupy it for the sake of Red Deer. For the sake of our province, for the sake of this nation, God, we are saying, enlist us. Here we are. Look no further. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro, looking for one man, one woman, who would just say, here's my heart, God. Here's my heart. That's what I've been saying to the Lord. He's not looking for a checklist of, I go to church, I've paid my tithe, I've done this, I serve here. All that is good, but when I give him my heart, this, all this, I'll do. But God, here's my heart. I'm, I, enlist me. Check it out. So for us as the church family, I believe this, and as the Lord leads and as he's willing to, to show us this, we are going to learn quickly how to take this seat, what it means, how to occupy, what it looks like, and we'll probably take time even doing that together because there's some things that need to be done. And when you're in the corporate anointing and in the corporate body, when we don't gather together, there's tremendous power made available. It's different from on your own. Of course, on your own is wonderful. It's great. I take my seat. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, over my children. I, I do that. But when we get together as a church and we say, no, 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 it stops right here. We don't need a thousand people to do this. We need a sold out bunch that will just say, yeah, I'm in. You look through the Gospels, and this is what I'm going to get into this, this right now. Let me just slowly get into this. <laughs> but there is a call and an expectation on the church in these last days that needs a response. And right now what we're seeing again, I want you to look at this in Malachi chapter 3. I've mentioned this before. But I just want to repeat this again, not in, a, not in a bad way or not in some kind of negative way, not to cause a bit of a rift or a rah-rah in people, but there is a separation that's taking place, and it's a good one. <gasps> For real? Yeah. There is a good one taking place, and it's already been talked about in Scripture. And really what we're seeing in these last days, again, if I'm, I've really been diving into some of these prophets of old and the things that the Lord showed them, and they're not even here anymore. These, these men and women of God, they've prophesied. They've said some tremendous things that they saw in these last times. And one of the things, this again, we had a gentleman that came here. He passed away in the meantime. Ed Dufresne is his, was his name. Great man of God. And he had a vision. The Lord gave him a vision in 1999. And I remember he came here and he shared it with us uh, when it was just a pastor's group that was here. And he says the Lord showed him in the last days, this was 1999, that there was going to be a major divide in the church that takes place. What is the major divide? Again, don't get political. It's not a political divide. It's a divide in this. You have a word and spirit church and you have a flesh church. It's going to take place more and more and more. Those that are going to be strong in the word and strong with the spirit of God and those that just want to go with the flesh. Just go with the flow. Find out whatever people want to hear. The itching ears. You know, Second Timothy talks about. Just give us something that's just going to sound nice. 
Nothing wrong with motivational messages. I love those. Those are great. Stirs you up. But what we need more than anything in this world now, love and truth. This is what we need. This is how the church is going to advance in these last days. Because I don't know how many things I've seen. I mean, I'm in a lot of different leadership things. There's so many we're talking. The church is declining. The church is drawing back. A lot of people are leaving the church. A lot of people don't want church anymore. You know what I say to all that? <laughs> Baloney. Why? Jesus is still king. What we've done, I think we've given enough, pe- enough Jesus for people to be bored. You talk about this little gospel and you kind of do this, there's no demonstration. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. Again, for us in this church, we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to go after the Lord, and we're going to experience powerful things. I know that. Are we okay? Okay, let me just prove this to you from Scripture so it's not just, you know, Ed Dufresne saying it, me just echoing it to you. But this is what God said. This is Malachi chapter 3. And he says, when you said, this is again now the nation of Israel, and they're talking about, like God talking about, you've robbed me. Well, how did we rob you? Through the tithes and offerings. And not only that, your words have been stout against me. This is what God's saying. This, this hurts. This is what you're saying against me. Well, what have we said? This is what this particular, again, group is saying to God. And God is saying this. When you said, it doesn't pay to serve me. They also say this. What do we ever get out of it? When we did what he said and went around with long faces, serious about the God of the angel armies, what difference did it actually make? Verse, then next, continue on, verse 15, it says, Those who take life into their own hands are the lucky ones. Look at them. They break all the rules and they get ahead anyway. They push God to the limit and they get by with it. What is that? That is one group of believers that are speaking this way to God. What good is it to serve God? What's the point of studying the word? What's the point of taking time praying in the Holy Ghost? There's no youth at it. Look, look at all these people. They don't do anything. And look how blessed they are. Look what they're doing. They're breaking all the types of rules. Look at them. There's just a thousand of them. What's the point of following what God wants us to do? There's no use in serving God. And what happens? That's one direction. Now it says, then those. Verse 16. Now, this is talking about the second group. Then those whose lives honored God got, to God got together and they talked it over. God saw what they were doing. What did he do? He listened in. Now, look at this. A book was opened in God's presence and minutes were taken of the meeting. So guess what? God's eavesdropping on you. He hears the conversations that are going on. This is talking about people that love God and honor God, want to be doers of this word. Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in on this. What happens? He puts his ear on there and he goes, oh, hey, angel, listen, listen to this. Gabriel, write, write this down. Write this down. Took meetings of it with the names. Come on, say it with me. The names. names. Who's that? Joel. My name's written down. This is not the book of life. My name is written in that too. But this is something else. This is God's meeting agenda. And all of a sudden, he hears me talking with somebody else. And they go, there's that God-honoring bunch. They love my word, and they refuse to back down off my word. He says, the God fears the written down. And all the names of those who honored God's names. Verse 17, it says, God of the angel armies said this. They're mine. All mine. Now notice this. They'll get special treatment. Hello, y'all. Are you reading this? You're going to get special treatment when he goes into action. Dun, 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 dun. Here I am, God. 
God. Yes, absolutely yes. And he says, I treat them with the same consideration and kindness that parents give the child who honors them. Look at this, verse 18 or verse 17. It says, once more, you'll see the difference it makes between being a person who does the right thing, one who doesn't, between serving God and not serving him. Just throw this out for whatever it is. It's worth it. It's worth it. Everything, all, whatever persecution may come, guess what? It's worth it. Come on, say it with me. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth everything. It's worth it all. It's worth all of a sudden people watching you come in here and go, they're nuts. It's worth it. <laughs> oh, they're going to go pray tonight. What a bunch of losers. It's worth it. Want to know why? Because when God goes into action, guess who's getting the special treatment? I honor him. Remember, that's a, very, that's a spiritual principle. God said that in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Those that honor God, he will honor. <laughs> and when God honors you, woo! Come on, somebody. You don't even know what to do with yourself. It's just, what? <laughs> you lost for words. So what do we do? Stick with it. Stick with it. Continue on in it. Now, this is the next part that I just want to take a few moments just to share with us. But again, you know, just that phrase. We've been talking about, you know, staying in victory. Tell the troops we got to continue to stay in victory. What does that look like? Whenever pressure comes our way, we introduce the pressure to the Word of God. We turn up the joy. Rather than letting this kind of all the pressure just make our countenance dropping and we just boo-hooing and whining, we're going to make show the devil that it ain't working. So there's a lot of things that we talked about. Last week, we talked about the importance of resting in Him. Taking the time, okay, this is God. I don't know what else to do, but my eyes are fixed on you. I'm going to just hold the line. I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to continue to stand. And having done all to stand, I'm going to keep on standing, keep on believing, keep on saying, keep on confessing, keep on doing what I know to do. Because why? The Lord is watching over his word to perform it. We talked about a lot of those types of things. And this morning I had this, I actually woke up uh, yesterday morning, Friday, or Friday morning, just, just with this thought. Um, and because again, I've been doing a lot of research, studying and different things. And I just heard this on the inside of me. Staying in victory is being all in. Well, we talked about the separation and how the two differences. Listen, I, th- I believe this with all my heart. The season that we're in, there is no such thing as lukewarm Christianity that's going to sustain you. It, it's not going to work. You're either in this or you ain't. If I can just sound real illiterate. It's not going to work. I have, I have seen, I have talked, I've had discussions, and people just, well, you know, I'll, I'll kinda, when I get around to this stuff with God, I'll, I'll see what I got. It's not going to cut it. I, I, I don't know what's going to push people over the edge to kind of see, hey, i got to get into this. Anybody ever had an all-in moment before? Like even naturally speaking, or maybe it was, it was your time with the Lord. I've had a few all-in moments that have changed the way that I live my life. And, I mean, if you think about it, from an all-in perspective, we always enjoy those types of movies that there's a heroic movie to it. Like, especially, you know, like Remembrance Day coming up in November, and we, we you know, remember the war, those people that went. I, for me, I'm a, I really enjoy listening, watching, and even, like, history of the World Wars. I, I like it a lot. And especially when you go see some of these World War movies, why do you like them so much? Because there's a hero in it. And what is, what is a hero for our day and age? It's just somebody that's all-in. Come on, say it with me, all-in. Anybody see, remember the Titans? 
Why do we like remember the Titans? Because what happened? You know, you have, there was a racial problem that was going on in that school, right? And finally, I mean, there's a lot of fightings. There's a lot of this. There was a lot of, you know, battle going back and forth. And then finally, at some point, these guys, no matter what their background, what their color was, they're like, you know what? We're here to play football. Let's make this happen. They just became, rather than these enemies that are on the same team, they became all in to go after and just to win the title. What happens? It stirs you up. Yeah, let's, let's do this thing. Let's do it. Now, I know for myself, in my couple of, you know, a few moments like this, but all in in a sport realm. I remember I had a coach when I played college volleyball, and this coach in particularly, he was a fantastic coach. Eight years, he had won the national championship for volleyball. This guy was solid. So getting, when I remember coming onto this thing, man, you, you do not mess around. There's no time for horseplay. There's no time for, it, it's, it's business. And he expected 100% every time you got on that court. It didn't matter if it was a practice. It didn't matter if it was a weightlifting session. It didn't matter what it was. He expected 100%. And if it wasn't given, all right, you're doing laps. We had a guy, I'll give you this as a little example. A guy showed up five minutes late for practice because, again, I don't know, whatever. He maybe had to run over there. That entire two-hour practice, he had to run with a 10-pound medicine ball above his head for two hours. (laughs) Harsh? No. He was looking for those that are all in. And I meant during that time, I mean, we had tryouts, and they, so tryouts lasted again with the college. It started in the summer, kind of went into fall. But what happened over the time, because of the standards that were set, here it is. I mean, you're on time. Here's the practice schedule. We had five practices a week, and then games are on the weekends. And it was these are the standards if you want to be part of my volleyball team. And so what happened over the summer going into the fall? Who left? The uncommitted. Right? Those that saw this list and go, man, I practiced five times a week. Actually, six. We had a morning practice. It was a weight training set. Six times a week? You're nuts. I got college to do. Yeah, sure. I understand that. And school is a you know, top priority on that as well because if you fail, you didn't get a play. But there was a whole standard of this. And over that course of those couple months, we, had have, we started to see people drop off like flies. Why? Because they weren't all in. And what happened when that team, when we got that team rallied and all started up, eventually, as we got into probably October, mid-October, we finally had the team that was all in. We were there for practice early. We were stayed even a little bit later. This team was all in. Why? Because our focus was to get the ring at the end of the year. So the vision was set before us. Do you want it? You want it? Come on, y'all. Do, do you want the well done at the end? Yeah. You, you want that? That's the goal. What's required of me? All in. And so he would put pictures up in our locker room. There's that ring. That's what you want. You want that. I want this to be number four, the year that I was in. It was number, year number five. You want that? It's going to be hard work. You may be puking in practice. Are you okay with that? <laughs> My mom's not, but I, I guess I am. <laughs> do you want it? Absolutely. All right. Get going. Let's do some laps. And you would just start running. But what was bigger than the temporal pain or the discomfort of what I was going through was, I get that ring at the end and say, I was part of that national championship in Canada. That's what I wanted. And this is what this coach, again, this is what he was looking at, all in. You see it even from, a, from the army side of things that you see in the world wars. These weren't just men and women that were like, ah, it's, a little, it's a little much. I, 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 no, I can't. They were... All in. For what? Freedom. All in. Come on, say it with me. All 
in and we admire and we thank God for those families that sacrificed, some of them their lives. It's so much to it. But what was the mindset that they had? All in. Where is that mindset in the church? Not saying you and I. I'm just saying in general, where is this grit and this mindset of going, I'm all in with him? Because until, if I want to see victory, oh God, if you can just do this, if there's not an all-in-ness mentality on the inside of me, forget it. I know this from the sporting world. I mean, now just even another example would be my marriage. I didn't propose to Jamie. I went to her dad first, and I asked for her hand in marriage. He wasn't just asking questions like, well, will you just love her once in a while? Will you tell her you love her? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, well, that, that's good. You know, would you just maybe, you know, put a Facebook post every once in a while just to let her know and let everybody else know that you, you just like being around her? Yeah, I, I can do that. That would cheapen her value. Instead, what was he doing? He told me, talked to me about his shotgun collection. I'm sure if he was alive today, he'd have hidden cameras around, installed, to make sure that I am fully committed to this woman. That I'm not going to just say, hey, I love you. Or I told you July 20th, 2008, that I love you. That should be good. And if anything changes, my mom always said, I'll let you know. Is that going to fly? No. Why? It doesn't show I'm all in. I am so committed in my marriage. I'm committed in this. So what does it look like? I show it to her. I demonstrate. I don't just talk it. Hey, love you. See you later. Take care of all the rest of this stuff. And, you know, I'll get her, when I get around it, I'll help you out once in a while. I'll babysit the kids every once in a while for you. <laughs> that don't work. What, what, what's working in our marriage? We're all in. The good? The not so good? The yucky parts? When she makes a mistake? When I make a mistake? If I do something? We are all in no matter what comes our way. And it's the same mentality that I have to have in my relationship with God all in. To the point that these soldiers would actually lay down their lives for freedom. That to me, I'm just, I'm in awe of that. Thank you. Thank you. The liberties and the freedoms we have today is because these men and women who fought for us, who stood the line and saying, no, we're fighting for this for freedom. And guess what? I'm all in. How much more in the kingdom of God, and we don't have to just say all in and kind of do our best. We have it perfectly mirrored by our Savior first, because again, we don't do anything without seeing him do it first. His entire life, the fact that he laid down his God-given you know, deity, put it off, came into this world as a man, that's all in. If you think about it right now, in the Godhead, the three-part Godhead, you have God the Father... God, the Holy Ghost. And guess who the second part of that Godhead is? It's a man. Born again, man of God is now in the Godhead. The Son. He's all in. What did he do on that cross? He could have called, the Bible says, he could have called a legion of angels, yet he didn't. Why? Because he was all in for the joy that was set before him. 
Well, I wasn't joy going to the cross. No, no, he saw beyond the cross. And that's part of what you and I have to do as well. We've got to see beyond this junk, and we've got to see the well done at the end that keeps me steady, keeps me strong, keeps me going forward because God is raising up in these last days a new army. Who's in it? Sir, I'm in. Um, You enlisted me, I'm in. I'll do whatever it takes to get in there. But it's an all-in mentality. Let me just give you a couple points and I'll finish off. But when I'm all in with God, this is another phrase that came into me. I'm in my dream. And I've never really had a whole lot of this before happen to me. But it's this. When I'm all in, my priorities change. Again, in my marriage or in in that sporting time, in my season of life. Like, it's so crucial. You know what I've really decided for my own self? This is what the Lord helped me with. What's success? And there's probably a million different answers for what success is. But what the Lord really shared and taught me was that success is knowing what season you're in. I'm in right now, this season, I have a very young family. For me, what's success is raising them up in a strong foundation in the word. That, to me, is a successful season. Because if I don't parent now, I'm going to have to parent later. And that's going to suck later because they probably don't, well, you know, will be bigger than me. I can't beat them up as quickly. It, there's just a lot. <laughs> so I do it now. <laughs> but I prioritize my life where he's first. Not second. Seek ye third, the kingdom of God. When you get around to it. When the Lord said that word first, he's talking all in. He's talking Priority. He's not interested in being second or third. And sadly, that's where a lot of people are at. It's just, well, has it come to this? I guess we'll talk to the Lord about it. That's not how this relationship works. Look at this, Matthew 6, 33. Again, very familiar verse. You could quote it. You could probably even say it backwards. But it says this, seek ye first. Seek. When you hear that, just listen, break down these words. Seek. What does that imply? I'm all in. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God, that's, just, that's, not just, that's not heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is what? It's the king that the king is domain of. It's his culture. It's the way heaven operates. It's the way they think. It's the way they talk. It's the way that they do life up there. He's saying, seek first the way I do things. And all of this other stuff that the world is obsessed about, what's going to happen to you? It'll just be added to you. That's his part. My part is to what? Seek all in. I get in on this. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How does you spending time with God, how are all this going to get looked after? How's your kids going to get looked after? How's your money going to get looked after? How's your health? Seek him first. See, this is one of the things that, that the Lord had to help me even just this past week with this thought. I used to say this. I want to do amazing things for God. That's actually false. I don't do anything amazing. My job is to consecrate, be all in, and God wants to do amazing things for me. Can we see that? Why was I want to do amazing things? No, 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 no. Get, get that mindset a little bit shifted here. My whole focus is I'm all in. I'm seek first the kingdom of God. I go after him and his righteousness. You see this over and over throughout scripture. Abraham, when he laid Isaac on the altar, what kind of statement was he making? All in. All in. And what happened? Because of that one act, God says, we are in covenant. I can now send my only son to die for you. God does amazing things through our all-inness. So that's my focus is I just got to be all-in. God will take care of the rest. 
I don't have to try to make things happen. I'm all in in serving him. I'm all in in seeking him. I'm all in in giving him everything I've got. That includes my wallet. That includes my time. That includes the way I talk. It includes the way I think. Here it all is, God. Here am I. And what is his job? To make and do amazing things in my life. That's the flow. This is the pattern that you see in Scripture is the Israelites consecrated themselves, and what happens? God did amazing things. Israel consecrated themselves, gave themselves to the Lord, and through Joshua and the Israelites, they overtook city after city after city after city after city. How? Was it by their military smarts and how good they were with the sword? No, it's because they consecrated their life and saying, Lord, here am I. What do you want? What can I do? Here's my life. What do you want me to do? It's a consecrated life. And that's the pattern that we see throughout Scripture on a regular basis. Why does it change now? It hasn't changed. It's the same thing today. What is he looking for? We quoted it earlier. 2 Chronicles 69. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro looking, looking for someone whose heart is faithful and loyal to him. And what happened? So he can show himself strong on behalf of those people. I'm all in. Why not let this be your all-in moment today? I'm all in. The next thing I want to just share with this is that if I'm all in, as we said, I'm committed to him. Everything I have is his. So when you talk about commitment, the disciples, they even to the point of death, all in. All in. And you actually can read in history, they all died by martyrdom except for one, John, who they tried boiling or killing him in boiling oil. But they say because he's the apostle of love, they couldn't kill him. He was untouchable, so they had to throw him on an island of Patmos and wait for him just to die of natural causes. Could you imagine that for a second? Tying a guy up, all of a sudden dipping him in boiling oil, and the reason for it is so that all the skin would just melt off your bones, and what happens? They dipped him in there, and all of a sudden they leave him in there, let that you know, oil just come on there and just take off the skin. All of a sudden they say, pull it up, and they pull it up, and John goes, what's up? untouchable. Why? He's all in. Peter died crucifixion. How? Upside down. Matthew, the same way. He was actually in the next form. You can read it and read it. And these guys were all in and they heard this word, follow me. Now we can't revert that or invert that and it's rather than having, well, God, why don't you follow my plans? This is not how this is going to work as we go forward in these days. It's not, God, can you just bless what I want to do? Can you just bless? I want to go do this over here, and I'm going to make a stink over here. God bless this. That's not how this works. This relationship is a follow-me basis, and those words follow me means what? He's in front, and I'm behind him. The moment that I switch that, and he's now, okay, God bless this, that's not how this works. What's the victory? Follow me. Yes, sir, and I will follow you. Okay, we're going to go here. Yeah. You want me to say that? Okay, I'll say that. Okay, we're going to go. Okay, we'll go this way. Yeah, all right, I got you. I got I stay closely connected behind him. That's the only way to ensure victory. Last verse is this. Matt, or Luke chapter 9, verse 23, 24. Why would you yell? Come on, man. Thank you. Jesus said to the, all of his followers. So who is he talking to? Followers. Who's a follower? All right, so that's about 15 of us. I'm following him. This is the only way to ensure victory, correct? Apart from him, there's no such thing as victory. 
Come on, we, we've got to see this church. The Western church has got to get their eyes open to this. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Well, I know how to make a million bucks, no problem. That's not what this is about. Money is not going to keep you. What if they took it all away? What happens to us? I keep following because I'm guaranteed victory in his steps. I hold on to where he's going. I'm all in. Come on, y'all, I want that just to, that's why it's just playing. That's just wrecking me on the inside. I'm all in. Nothing else is going to satisfy me. Get as angry as you want. It will not change a thing in your life. Except eventually lead you down a path that maybe you don't even want to go. What do I have? I've got to stay directly behind what he's leading me to do. It's my only place of ensuring victory. Now look at this. Jesus said to his followers, If you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life. Come on, say it with me. Disown my life completely. I disown it. Get rid of it. What is he talking about there? Selfishness. What I want, what I want. I got to let it go. And instead, embrace my cross as your own and surrender to what? Surrender to my ways. This is it. Can we see that? This is it. I surrender. I don't want to do that. It's not about feeling or wanting to do anything. It's about I'm surrendering to my ways. The Christian life, in order to have the top of the hill moments, guess what it is a lot of the other time? It's this. Okay, I don't want to do it. I don't want to. Lord, you know I don't want to. I don't know how many moments I've had like this in my, the course of even this 18 months. God, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that at all, but I'll do it for you. Forgive. I don't want to. I don't want to. Do you know what they said? Do you know what they said? It's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of who's my Lord. Okay, sir, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. And I find my attitudes, I find my want to changes as I surrender to him. Because what happens? It's he gives me the, the, the will to do of his pleasure. It's him equipping me. Can you see that? I don't want to do it. You step out and do it. What happens? He's there now to sustain you in it. Ah, talk about grace. Grace, grace. What we even sang last week. Just I've been speaking that over the parliament. I've been speaking that over our province. I've been speaking that over this nation. There is so much grace. Showers of mercy. Showers of grace, grace, grace. Where sin abounds, guess what abounds even more? Grace. Think about all the sin that's there in the world. How much junk there actually all is. Guess what covers it all? Grace. Do you know how many abortions that have been happening in this world since, will you name it, some of the 50s, 60s? How many babies have been killed? Yeah, guess what, much more, what there is more of? Grace. That's where people can find freedom. Completely is what? Is in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He finds no fault with you. Huh? What? The moment you cry out to God and say, God, I need you. Take me. I want my, my life to be yours. I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. At that moment, 
grace is available. Oh, like think about that for a sec. All it takes is just one person to go, Jesus, I need you. Changes everything. But one thing that I want to also encourage, if you've ever done that yet, and you're going to do that, it's not just, okay, Jesus, here, I want my life, that's all good. He needs you all in. And Lord, if I've ever preached the gospel, if I ever said anything where it just cheapens the, the, with the cross of what Jesus did, forgive me. It's all in. He expects everything from you. But here's the good news. You can trust him with everything. <laughs> He's not a tyrant. He's not some kind of nasty boss up there just looking to get everything you got. No, he wants to get more to you. <laughs> Come on, y'all. This is our God. I trust him. I trust him completely. Even in the chaos, I trust him completely. <laughs> oh, and let's finish off this verse. Verse 24. It says, if you choose, if you choose. Well, what's the, what's the emphasis here? Choice. If you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. My adventure with God began when I said, Lord, here it is. Here's my, here's my agenda. Here's my schedule for holidays. Here's my schedule for everything. Here it is. Here. Take it. Change it. Scratch it out. Erase it. Write new stuff. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And in doing that, I've embarked on a discovery of more and more true life. I could not be more and more thankful for where I'm at right now. Really? Yeah. I had no idea this life was prepared for me. No idea. Yet the scripture tells us every day of our lives has already been written in a book. But here's the choice. But he says, if you choose to keep your lives for yourself, you will lose what you try to keep. So I don't know about you, but this morning, can we all just stand up for a moment this morning? And I believe this, that the Lord is just looking for that response on the inside of us. He's looking for this from a spiritual perspective, an all-in heart, an all-in. Because I want the victory. I want to see it in my life. I want to see it in my family. But it comes from an all-in from the inside response first. So if that's you, if you're just saying that this morning, okay, I'm, I'm, I, this is my all-in moment. If that's you, let's just raise our hands to him. Just demonstrate to him, I'm all in. I'm all into you, sir. Here am I, here's my life. Come on, just talk to him about it for a moment. Just like this verse, I surrender to your ways. Here's everything I've got. Here's the, the background I grew up with. Here's the, the things that were taught to me. Lord, I bring all of my thoughts to you. I bring my upbringing to you. I bring my culture, what I knew and what I thought was from my background up, and I bring it to your throne room of grace. Lord, if it needs changing, change it. Come on, just say with me, change it. I'm open for change. Why? Because I'm all in. You said seek first. Come on, Lord, you're first. You are my number one. You are my first. My priorities line up where you are at the center of it all. 
center of my life, the center of my parenting. You're the center in my relationship with my wife. You are the center in my relationships with my friends. Jesus, you are the center of it all. You are the middle of my finances. You are my banker. Jesus, I give it to you. You're my health care. You are my health care physician. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Here's my body. Here's my soul. Jesus, you're my therapist. You're everything that I need. You're my shepherd. I have all that I need because I'm in you. It's time that we wake up, church. We wake up. Thank you, Lord. We are an all-in bunch. Father, that word that we just read this morning, that prophecy, Father, let it not just be words that we read today, but Father, from the bottom of the very depths of the souls of our being, Father, here we are. You can enlist any one of us in this room. Take the whole bunch, because we're all in. We're all in. Nothing held back. It's all for you. Thank you, Lord.